This is Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Good afternoon and welcome to the show. Hey, you know what? Real estate, always a hot topic every single week. And this week, it remains one of the hottest things in the news. But before I get to uh, you know some of the main numbers that are coming up, uh, just so you know, my guests this hour, Michael Newman, he's going to be, he's from Bernie Home Safe, and we're going to be talking about making your home safe for the summer as well. Michael Applebaum, Ideal Solutions Insurance Broker, is going to be joining me. Hey, do you have proper insurance on your home? Maybe not. Make sure you listen to Michael. He's got some great advice for you. As well, later in the hour, I've got Romana King. Always a pleasure. I'm sure you read her articles in Money Sense, and she is also the Director of Content for Zolo. So great to have these guests joining me this hour. But before I get to them, how about we have a quick chat about what is going on in the market. That's right. There's more listings, less sales, but prices aren't going anywhere. You know, in the north part of the city, some of the areas, we're hearing things such as 50% drop off in the number of sales happening year over year or throughout the month. But at the end of the day, we're really not seeing the prices go backwards. So what is going on with the market? Well, Again, you know what? One of the things that we've been thinking is that there is going to be a pause. And a pause simply means you've got buyers thinking a little bit longer. You've got sellers thinking a little bit longer on what and how they need to sell their homes. So they're not getting overly aggressive with their pricing. And the buyers are having more options. So they're not pulling the trigger because, hey, wait a minute. If two days goes by and another listing comes up, maybe that's their ideal home. So we do see pauses every once in a while in a marketplace. And even though it's the spring market, with everything that's been introduced over the last little while, you know what? It makes a lot of sense. And this is one of those things that I always like to weigh in with the experts. And Romana King is going to help me, uh, you know, decipher, obviously. And one of the things that I think people should be aware of, and just I want to give you some quick advice today on what you should be doing. So let's talk to the buyers in the world. You have five finally started to get some inventory to take a look at. Things that you must do though still, and this is this is one of those things that, you know, I got a little bit concerned over the last couple of years where people were just randomly buying properties without home inspections. You know what? That's a big X negative. It should never happen. And if you've tuned in on a regular basis, you'll always hear me say, even if you think you're going in multiple offers, do not forego the home inspection. You must have it. Because the biggest important thing, you need to know what you're buying. A lot of things hide behind walls, not necessarily are done correctly. You don't always know. So one of the things that we are starting to see and all the home inspection companies are saying is they're starting to have more offers out there that are conditional on home inspection. So good for the market if that happens, because you got to make sure you know what you're buying. So all buyers, even if you think the property is going into multiple offers, have a pre-inspection done. You know what? Normally there's that time gaps. You know, people are still setting them up saying, hey, look at show the house for a week and we're going to take offers next Monday. Great. Get a home inspection. If you really want it, make sure you do it. The other thing is pre-qualification. The banks are, you know, they're a little fickle right now. And yes, the interest rates are dropping a little, so they're getting a little bit more attractive. But make sure you know that you qualify for what you're going after. You know, the worst thing that could happen is that you buy firm and guess what? The bank says no. Or for that matter, you have to turn around, find another channel and pay more interest. So not a great thing. 
Now I'm going to flip my hat over and I'm going to start talking to the sellers. So is the gravy train over? I don't think so. The prices are still up substantially and they're going to probably remain. Now, you may not get all the foreign buyers, which we still question if there was that many. But at the time, you know, everybody thought, oh, it's the foreign buyers driving up the price. Oh, people are showing up to my house with a bag of cash. Not the case. But what you can count on is this. You're going to have a lot more showings. It may not happen within the first week that you sell the property. So what are we doing? We're returning to a normal market. And I'm okay with a 30-day market. I think that allows the proper buyer, proper seller. Now, a lot of sellers are going, hey, but Todd, I want the most money. Well, if you bought your house five years ago, how do you think you're doing so far? And this is the thing. We've had a great increase. As I said, I don't think we're going backwards. And if we do, you know what? We're not going to go back to last year's prices. The prices remain up around 25%. So that means that if you if the prices fall by 3%, well, that just means that you're looking at the price maybe that you would have gotten in December. So did you time the market right? Can't say you did, can't say you didn't, but we'll have to wait and see what the rest of the economy shakes up with some of the new win announcements. I'm not going to touch too much on the fact of what they want to do with minimum wage and everything else, because you know what? This is simply real estate, and I'm going to keep real estate simple. I would love to say it's simply political, and uh, you know what? I'll save that for the rest of the hosts here at the station. But, of course, one of the things we want to do is make sure that everybody is safe in their home. So joining me now is Michael Newman. He is Electrical Solutions Advisor with Bernie HomeSafe and the division of Bernie Electric. And, uh, Michael, welcome to the show. Thank you, Todd. It's a pleasure to be here. So, Michael, you know, it's great to be able to reach out to you at this time of year, of course. This is when everybody's starting to think of their pool weather and get their pools up and running, you know, outside, barbecues, all sorts of activity. And is there something that people should be keeping in mind in preparing, you know, the outside for the upcoming season? Definitely. One of the first things that comes to mind uh, when you're talking about outside are all the ground fault uh, circuit interrupters that people have uh, or should have in the outlet. So they need to test those to make sure that they're working accurately uh, because water and electricity, we all know, not a good marriage. Yeah, you know, one of the things, Michael, that I think a lot of people aren't aware of is the fact that things can change over the winter. And especially because, you know, we had an incredible winter this year where it was like warm, cold, freezing, you know, uh, crazy stuff. And that, you know, things can actually shift. You know, when people have outside landscaping, they're not quite aware of, you know, when you just, you can't just flip a switch and everything's working 100% like it did last fall. Is there no. is there a way for people to actually perhaps have, you know, company like yourselves, come out and do an inspection, making sure everything is still to code and safe for their families? Yeah, so without a doubt, uh, we have a forensic kind of service where we'll come out and we'll test everything electrically. Uh, from the safety perspective, uh, people can check it out on our website, is my home safe? Uh, but going back to your original question about the outside, you definitely want to make sure that... Uh, that the outlets are properly protected from water or moisture or anything like that, that you have uh, anything that has an extension cord, that you're six feet away from any water source. Uh, Obviously, we learned as little kids, don't go swimming during a thunderstorm. 
uh, stuff like that. <laughs> you know, speaking speaking of swimming, you know, we can't uh, we can't forget about how much water and rain we've actually had. Flooding, you know, definitely in Ontario is one of the big topics. And as you mentioned, water and electricity uh, not exactly uh, a match made in heaven, or it will be a match made in heaven. So <laughs> you know, so one of the things I got to ask you, um, you know, with flooding, is this something that you know we've got basements flooding? You know, a lot of people I don't think realize that a lot of times their electrical panels may be on an exterior wall. Is this something that people should be keeping their eyes on? And again, if they start seeing a little bit of water or condensation close to the electrical box, reach out to somebody like yourselves? Well, so definitely. And uh, if you've had some significant flooding, one of the first things that you should be checking out is the electrical uh, within the home. Water damages the insulation of the wiring. And this is a real hazard uh, that sometimes people are not aware of and that's not evident immediately either. So if you suspect water coming into your home, the basement, there's flooding, maybe even in the panel, you really need to get an expert into uh, to assess the electrical systems within the home, especially the electrical panel. Right. So, Michael, just so I so our, our listeners know, um, the best way to reach your company is ismyhomesafe.ca. Is that correct? Hundred percent. And uh, I, I think the title's pretty fitting. Yeah, I, I do believe so. Listen, Burning Electric's been around for years, folks, and one of the things that you do want to do and ensure is the safety of your family. Um, so, Michael, a couple other things just to, you know, to, to note, of course, is the fact that if people are starting to do some of their own renovations, let's say, in their home, because again, spring, always one of those big things, um, yep. you know, better, obviously, to call, you know, a professional to come out before you start taking walls down or out or even moving electrical. Uh, outlets, correct? You know, Todd, uh, I'm a big proponent of stuff, you know, doing stuff yourself, and we all want to save money, And uh, but one of the areas that we really shouldn't be touching is the electrical. If there's ever a problem, the you know, your insurance company will come in and they'll ask you, who did this work? Was there a permit taken out? Uh, was it inspected? And if it's not, you're compromising the assurance of your insurance. Yeah, and you know, you you just made a really good, valid point. I don't know if people are aware that they can actually pull their own permits uh, when it comes down to doing, let's say, some moving of electrical. Of course, they're not allowed to do their own full wiring, but people can actually get a residential permit themselves, correct? Yeah, that's correct. You can apply just like we apply through the Electrical Safety Authority uh, for a permit, and they'll come out and uh, have a look and make sure that it was done properly and to code and uh, you know of course the some things that they'll insist on an, an electrician doing uh, a licensed electrician but uh, there are other things that you can do yourself uh, but always make sure they're the authority on electrical work in Ontario so it's always a good thing to uh, uh, make sure that uh, you check with them. Excellent. Well, listen, Michael, always a pleasure having you here at Simply Real Estate. Uh, like the fact that your company does focus on keeping people safe and keeping that in mind, is myhomesafe.ca is the website and you can reach out to people at uh, Burning Electric. So thanks so much for joining us today at Simply Real Estate. Appreciate it, Todd. All the best to you. Okay, thank you. Folks, that was Michael Newman. He's Electrical Solutions Advisor at Bernie Homesafe. Hey, listen, coming up after the break, I'm going to be joined by an insurance broker. Is your 
insurance up to date and how about the floods is there a lot of damage out there well you know what we'll have more when we come back after this Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. And welcome back. Hey, folks, have you found a little bit of water in your basement? Well, you know what? A lot of Toronto residents have in the last couple of months. It has been a horrific season for flooding. And of course, uh, one of the biggest questions is, and it always comes up, is what kind of insurance do you have? And do you have enough? Well, instead of talking about it myself, I decided to bring in an expert, Michael Apple. He is from Ideal Solutions Insurance Broker, and welcome to the show, Michael. Thanks. Thanks for having me. So one of the questions, uh, of course, right now that's floating around, sometimes in the basement, uh, is the fact is, does your insurance cover all the flooding that's going on? Mm -hmm. Well, flooding is is a term commonly used, but uh, insurance is really concerned with how the water got into your basement. And uh, there are a few ways... Um, I think uh, some of the main ways water has been getting into basements lately with the heavy, heavy rains has been uh, uh, from saturation of the water, uh, or of the land around the house. Also, uh, eaves troughs and downspouts uh, either coming apart, overflowing. Uh, sometimes you've got water coming in window wells from pooling and ponding outside. So depending how the water got in your basement, you may or may not have coverage. And you may have more or less than you think you have. Wow. You know, one one of the questions that um, my producer, Ian Grant, threw out at me, of course, is that when you're applying for insurance, sometimes they ask for a backwater valve certificate. Uh, Can you enlighten our listeners to this? Sure. Oftentimes, particularly if you have had a prior sewer backup claim, uh, which is a little bit different from what they would traditionally call water damage, and I'll explain that. Uh, a sewer backup claim, if you've had one prior, they would like to know that you've got a, uh, black, a backwater valve, which prevents uh, sewage from coming back into your house through the pipe that it's supposed to be going out of. And those are just a, a simple flap device that goes in the basement. I know my parents have had one put in recently, and my brother. Um, the City of Toronto will uh, rebate you, I think, up to $1,200 to have them installed. Um, and uh, what that does is if, you've, uh, if you are in a neighborhood, and I think we've spoken about this before, that has a sewer backup uh, regularly, it will prevent the sewage from coming back into the house by closing the, that pipe, essentially, Right. Uh, if the water starts going the wrong way. Right. No, that, make, that makes total sense. <clears throat> uh, but what people have been having lately issues with in the rain is flooding from uh, water ponding or pooling on land near their house, and so it may be coming in the foundations. Um, sometimes there are uh, eavesdrops and downspouts that are being just, they're being literally flooded with water. And so it ends up coming down the sides of the house. And it's very important to check your policy and make sure you have all of these different coverages, um, which are not included in a standard comprehensive homeowner's policy. So you have to make sure that uh, you're adding these things to the extent that you need them. Right. You know, one one of the things I think that our listeners need to also uh, understand is that, you know, there's different areas that uh, when the homes were built, they put in sump pumps. And a lot of people aren't aware that what a sump pump truly does, and it's to whisk the water away from the foundation. Um, and, and the idea here is that if your sump pump isn't working, this normally, you know, will lead to some flooding as well. Uh, do you, do you, can you have coverage on things like that? 
So sometimes, in addition to backwater valves, insurance companies, depending on, on the house, like you just mentioned, they will also ask for uh, sump pumps. And what they're requiring now are what they call battery backup sump pumps. So your sump has to have a battery backup. In the event, for example, there's a power failure in a heavy rainstorm, that it will still be able to carry that water away from your house uh, instead of pooling in the uh, foundations, which is where it ends up coming through. Sometimes people in their house will see the bottom corner of their unfinished basements is, is wet and there's water seeping in, and that's exactly what you're describing. Water doesn't uh, get into the weeping tile. It's not being pulled away, and uh, you do end up with some water damage. So in an unfinished basement, it doesn't matter. But if your basement is finished and it's got, you know, the kids' toys and carpet and furniture in there, you you definitely want to make sure that is... Uh, that is working. Right. So if you're going to give some points of advice, um, of course, when, when people are looking at insurance policies, what should they, of course, they should be all calling you, but if they're not calling you, what, what should be a bit of a checklist that people should be adding to their insurance policies for the safety of their home? So what I would do is I would always get a copy of the policy wording and I would check and see exactly what is included or excluded with regards to water damage on the on the basic policy wording. And some companies, I say excluded or included because some companies um, exclude everything but include a couple of things, and some companies include things and then exclude. It's complicated sometimes in language, but insurers are getting better at simplifying the wordings. But the two important things to watch for are that you add on sewer backup coverage um, if you've got a basement that is finished and or you keep things in your basement but also keep in mind if a toilet overflowed on the second floor due to some major backup that could be a sewer backup issue as well so it's not always basement related the other thing that has come out in the last year or so which never existed for homeowners policies in canada is what you'll hear about called overland uh flooding or groundwater coverage right and that is for rainwater that uh pools on the ground and then makes its way into your house. In a traditional wording, that would not be covered, but some of these overland or groundwater coverages do add it back. The one other thing I want to mention is when a lot of insurance companies have moved uh, to add these uh, groundwater or overland flooding coverages, one thing that a lot of them took out, and people are often not aware of this, is uh, the coverage in their standard policy for water damage due to the overflow of an eaves trough or downspout. So if you have water that comes between your uh, fascia and your downspout and your eaves troughs and can leak into a window or through the foundation, that used to be covered, but it's often not. Right. Now, what insurers are doing is they're adding that back in these uh, groundwater or overland flooded wordings. Sure. So, so you have to be careful because you may not have what you used to have. And it may still be available, but through these other enhanced coverages. So, yeah. Excellent. So, Michael, if our listeners want to reach out to you, what is the best avenue to get you at? Uh, I would say you can reach our office, 416-222-6677. Uh, I can be reached at extension 228, or you can email anytime. Uh, Michael, uh, it's M-I-C-H-A-E-L at isinsurance.ca, or you can find us at our website at isinsurance.ca. Excellent. Well, listen, Michael, always a pleasure. Thanks so much for joining us and bringing us up to date on the current situation of the flooding. So thanks so much.
Pleasure. Thanks for having me. Okay. Folks, that was Michael Applebaum, and he is from Ideal Solutions Insurance Brokerage. And you can go to isinsurance.ca if you want to find out more. Remember, keeping home insurance up to date is so important. It's going to be a rainy summer. At least that's what they're calling for. So is your home well enough protected under your insurance policy? It can be pretty pricey, and you don't want your insurance company saying, sorry, declined, we didn't cover you on that. So after the break, I've got one of my favorite guests joining me. It is Romana King. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. And welcome back. Hey, listen, you know what? Again, great advice from Michael Applebaum. Keeping your insurance up to date, making sure your policy is what you require is so important. I know it's boring reading, but you know what? Kick back, have a drink, take a look at it, and make sure that you are covered. Because the worst thing that can happen is if your home gets flooded and you didn't have proper coverage. Anyways, as I said just before the break, uh, one of my favorite guests to come on, obviously, is Romana King. And by the way, she is Director of Content at Zolo, also a contributor at Money Sense. You've read her articles for years. And welcome to the show, Romana. Hello. So, you know what? You and I, it's so funny. Every time you and I talk, we always start off by saying, oh, there's so much in the news. You know, the government's always feeding us, you know, content. Uh, I'm sorry, but it's almost like um, a Groundhog Day. Same thing. (laughs) You know, it's just over and over and over again since you and I last spoke. You know, all sorts of stuff has hit the proverbial fan. And it just, it never ceases to amaze me that... Uh, you know, real estate just is at the top end of the news titles every single week. Well, I mean, real estate touches on so many different aspects of the Canadian economy so that as soon as governments get involved in any little thing, as soon as organizations or associations, or as soon as the market moves, suddenly you've got another flare-up of the story. Because, you know, as a lot of media outlets have been saying, media, you know, has been saying that we're addicted to real estate. And I think we are a little bit addicted to real estate. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think so. You know, it's a, but I don't think it, I think it could be a healthy addiction as long as you're as long as you're reading your articles and tuning in here. I think we're Absolutely. okay. <laughs> Absolutely, you know, I think you can be addicted to healthy things like exercise. I think real estate can certainly fall in line with that. So not a problem. Yeah. So so how about I'll tell you what you, today. You know, fortunately, you, you're, you're you're hanging out with me for for two segments, so we can take it nice and slow and steady. Let's talk about the West Coast because, of course, we'll head back over to Ontario. Uh, but a lot going on in your neck of the woods. Uh, going to be an upheaval in your government, obviously. Lots of things changing your marketplace. You know, give us an update on the West Coast. Yes. Well, the big news right now, and I think what everyone's sort of waiting with bated breath, is how the new minority government is going to impact the housing market. Um, they didn't. Neither one really campaigned. So neither the NDP nor the Green Party really campaigned heavily on big, big changes in the housing market. But what we don't realize is that some of their planned changes in the economy could have a real big impact on the housing market. You've got um, two parties that have formed a minority government that really want to make some changes on the, the, the Kinder Morgan and whether or not that pipeline goes through. That would have created a lot of jobs both in Alberta and B.C. 
jobs are good for the economy. The economy is good for the real estate market. We all want to see that. Sure. And now they're talking about, you know, removing that off the plate, even though the federal government and now the provincial governments are sort of battling back and forth. Uh, it, there's just still uncertainty. And uncertainty breeds hesitation in any market, and particularly in the real estate market. So, you know, not all of the chips have fallen, and so I think that's going to have a bit of a hiccup. And that's showing. That's actually showing in our statistics. We're seeing, you know, in Vancouver, and this was occurring before this uncertainty, but there were, because of the provincial election, things sort of slowed down a little bit because there is some speculation on the market. And in the month-to-month change, so from May to from the start of the May to the end of May, we're seeing about a one and a half percent decrease in average housing prices in the Vancouver metro area. Wow. And that's not something that we were kind of, you know, I I mean, we could have predicted a little coming up to a provincial uh, election, of course. But one of the things that you, because you started to see a little bit more positive activity January, February, March, uh, you you know, you and I were talking and and again, the numbers were starting to rebound. Um, Are we seeing any foreign buyers coming back into the market? You know, I I know it's really hard to track, but, you know, what is the kind of the word on the street? Well, and that's people have been very curious about how that was impacted. And so they did see a decrease of what they presumed was foreign buyers in the market when the August um, foreign buyer tax was introduced last year in 2016, early 2016 by the BC Liberal government. Um, the assumption was that the slowdown that occurred and were foreign buyers are moving, being removed from the market. But quite quickly, we saw what we think are foreign buyers coming back into the market. There are better ways to track that information. So we we can't really say it's a one-for-one. We can't say foreign buyers absolutely left and foreign buyers absolutely came back in. We can say that foreign buyers have come back in because now we're tracking that data better. We are seeing foreign buyers back in the Vancouver market. We're also seeing an uptick in real estate activity since that August uh, change. So we saw quite a bit of a low. Um, we were around 1.1 million average house price in sort of the July mark. By September, that had increased to about 1.2 million. We're at 1.4 million average house price right now. So there's been quite a bit of activity since that that change, that regulatory change in BC. Right now, you know, you and I always touch on this. Um, we were talking about the, you know, more or less the first time home buyers. They were getting that that interest free five percent down payment. Uh, are are you finding the lower end of the market? So you know, normally we determine the lower. End and more towards the condominium-style property, you know, uh, apartment, high-rise, that kind of thing. Are we seeing that taking, uh, you know, any kind is, – is it is it helping the market? Or is that part of your market starting to come back again? Or is it still kind of in that pause area? And that's extremely interesting. We thought there would be a lot more uptick. They, the provincial government, the liberal provincial government that introduced that, thought there'd be about 40,000 people that would take advantage of that loan. And by last count, I, th- I don't even think there was 2,000 applications. Wow. So there's only about 1,000 applications. So it, it shows you that they, they're, they're not reading the market well. They think that there's a lot of people struggling with getting 2% down. Right. People are struggling because they have 20% or more put down and still can't get in the market. And that's what that tells me. Um, In the condo market in Metro Vancouver, prices are up by only about 3%. You know, it's it's still hovering around uh, $800,000 for a condo. Um, I don't think that the the market really was impacted much by by having that sort of extra incentive. And again, that really kind of tells me we've got well-capitalized 
first-time buyers or buyers trying to get in the market, sure. but they can't seem to find something that fits their needs, um, and yet they still have 20%. In the, the surrounding lower mainland, we are seeing an uptick. Um, I think Langley, uh, their condo market has risen by about 30%. Right. Um, in terms of pricing, year over year pricing for condos. Right. Well, listen, um, I'm going to ask you to hang on uh, for a minute because there's lots more to, for us to talk about. And, you know, you made a really cool statement where you said, I don't think the the Liberal government, you know, got the idea right here when they did that. And I think that that goes right across the country. So you and I have lots to talk about because when we head uh, east to Ontario, you know, we've got the Liberal government just absolutely stepping all over it. So uh, if you don't mind, hang on and uh, we'll talk more. So folks, I'm going to be right back with Romana King. And uh, again, um, I want to get her perspective on what she thinks we're looking at here in Ontario and uh, what we can perceive as being something uh, that we've got to deal with. So when we come back, we've got more with Romana King. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. And welcome back. Hey, listen, if you're just tuning in, my guest this hour is Romana King. And I'm pretty sure you're familiar with the name. Uh, she is an editor at Money Sense as well, the director of content for Zolo. And, you know, every once in a while we check in with her. And Romana, just before the break, you and I were having a great discussion about the Liberal government. Now there's going to be a minority government sitting in with the Green Party and NDP and how nobody seems to be getting it right. So how about we talk about Ontario? Um, sure. What, <laughs> what's your take on the latest and greatest here? There's been so much activity. So I think the Ontario government, they, they tried. They really did try and predict what happened in, in Vancouver and tried to make some, you know, make some policy based on assumptions of what happened in, in Vancouver and the lower mainland BC. And they tried to introduce policy that they thought would help. I think this is what they don't understand is that even if you're not investing in real estate, so you're not taking money to put into a property simply to hold it as a cash flow uh, property or to make money on it, even if you're just buying a home, it's still a speculative process. It's still a, I want to make sure that the market is okay. And as soon as you introduce something, it's going to cause uncertainty and people are going to pull back. And I think that's what's happened. Uh, I think but introducing policy and creating that doubt has also illuminated some problems within the real estate market in terms of how we actually handle statistics and data and how we collect that data and how we count that data. And that's now illuminated problems with how we track and record that data. And I think it's now coming to light that we really don't quite understand how this real estate market works um, with all the moving pieces, and we don't know how to track the, the information of so, how it works. So, so can we call it fake news? <laughs> well, it's not, I mean, we'd love to say it's not fake news. It's, it's making assumptions based on data that might not be accurate. So the way we collect data and how we view that data and the questions we ask about that data is really going to frame the question and then the answer you get. And statisticians and economists know this. They know that the, a- the question you ask really does determine the answer you get. 
Yeah, and I think, but I do, I do believe that if if I walk around and I tell everyone that the market is down, let's take you know some of the the north part of the GTA. If we start saying that you know year over year the sales are down fifty percent, okay, um, but without backing it up with further information. Everybody will make a different assumption. So it's sort of like if I if I whisper to you a secret and you do it to the person beside you and all the way around, by the time it comes back to me, it's a completely different story. And unfortunately, as you said, it's the you know, it's the perception of a lot of, of what the information is that we have to decipher. And unfortunately, there's not one true governing body that is deciphering the information that does not, I would say, give them the best results. So, you know, if you talk to Trevor yeah. right now, Treb is sitting there saying, no, everything's great, you know, no problem, no foreign buyers. If And, and, and nothing against Treb, but, you know, it's 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 the, basically when you deal with Aria, Treb, any of the boards, obviously they want to keep, you know, the, the, the fuel or the fire going, you know, we don't want to just blow it out because that's, that's counterproductive for them. If you take a look at, you know, somebody like Kathleen Wynne and her government, of course, is trying to control the market with information by saying, oh, I'm going to go step on everybody's throat because I'm doing this for the millennials. And so mm-hmm. now, and then if you take a look at people that are now going to grade home trust, all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, home trust is going to implode because of this. And yet home trust has a fabulous book with lots of value. So their mortgages are safe. But here we go that, you know, a couple bad brokers turn around and throw some, some mix on it. So there's so much swirling around in Ontario right now as, you know, the direction of the market is going to be questionable, I think, probably for the next 12 months. Absolutely. There's so much going on. I think you're absolutely accurate on that. There's so much going on that it really needs to unwind and play out. And we need to see what's happening. And I think that, you know, I remember when, what happened with Home Capital and, it, it, you know, all of a sudden there were reports and there's forums and everything is ablaze. And I'm like, is this, is this the start of the end of the mortgage market in Canada? And I thought, do people understand how mortgages work here? Do people understand the players in the mortgage market? No, that's, do, do they that's the that's thing. The they don't. Yeah, they do. They think, oh my God, the the, the big six banks are going to collapse now, and the whole real estate market is like, no, they're not. Each individual lender has their own portfolio and their own book business, and each one is running tight margins. And if you've got, you know, at the time, and I had, I didn't know the story, but as soon as I heard that something had happened, I thought, you know what? I bet you anything, they ran into a situation where they weren't capitalized well, and to meet OSFI rules, to meet the 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 rules that they have to live by in order to be well capitalized, that the regulators are happy, they had to. they got a loan, an emergency loan. That doesn't mean that they're not well positioned. It just means that the book has changed for whatever reason. When I say the book, I mean the balance sheet has changed for whatever reason, and they just need to capitalize so that they can make sure that they're on side with the regulators. Does it mean that they have a bad book of business? No. It just means that they need to make sure that their book of business is, is okay. Yeah. And so, you- and inter- sure, yeah, interestingly enough, though, this week, you know, we've got um, the National Bank, who's number six in the rankings of banks. Uh, they're all of a sudden saying, oh, listen, we're not going to deal outside of Quebec. We're not going to be dealing with the broker channels as much, but you can go to the bank or branch now and get your mortgage. And so, you know, all, all of a sudden, all these, you know, even the, and, and I'll call them the smaller players of the world, but, you know, yeah. they're all sitting there saying, oh, because we don't want to have happen to us like home capital. And it's sort of like, okay, so, so, so if people could finally analyze the fact that if you owned home capital's debt uh, you know, ratio right now on their asset, you'd have the biggest smile on your face because they're not by any, by any means underwater on their mortgages. 
Yes. And that's, again, it's, when people are investing in home capital, what you're investing in is a book of business, a book of debt, but what they're actually holding is the asset. Has anything happened with the asset? And you can, you can liken it to what happened in the stock market um, a, a year or a few years ago where all of a sudden a whole bunch of computers made a decision that something wasn't, it dropped below. And all of a sudden it started trading and everyone panicked and had anything happened? No. Nothing had happened fundamentally with those businesses. What had happened was something got triggered, and everyone sort of panicked and sort of reacting rather than responding. And the same thing with home capital. Um, Is it a riskier book of business than, say, buying a piece of property that you can actually monitor yourself? Yes, but you're getting better returns for that risk. So it's about understanding what you're actually investing in, and it's about understanding when to make a move if it's right you. If you need to sell, sell for your reasons, not because the market is reacting. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a that's a fabulous point. So let's 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 bounce over to the Toronto market for a second. Um, so we know numbers coming through. You know, you and I uh, watch them. I mean, daily. But the truth is, is that uh, you know the market is slowing down, and slowing down meaning, oh my goodness, not everybody's getting multiple offers. You know, one of the things I've been tracking here in Toronto, and I'd like all our listeners to do as of today. You know, right now, uh, listening to the show on your on your way home, uh, take a look at how many realtors are taking down their open house signs. Right now, you know, up uh, two months ago, we had no open houses being done. Everybody said, oh, I don't need an open house. My house is going to sell mm-hmm. in a week. My agent said, hold offers for a week. We're going to go multiple offers. Now the agents are scrambling like crazy because, wait a minute, we have to go to work. And now there is thousands of open houses being done. So we noticed something very, you know, right before sort of the whole hullabalub, we noticed something quite Unusual with statistics, we started noticing that listings were rising quite dramatically, and and souls were not. Right. And so we thought, oh my goodness, you know what's happening? Have we hit finally the peak, and are sellers going to have to adjust accordingly? And I think it's a little bit of that. I think sellers and realtors have actually been saying this for the last year in both Vancouver and in Toronto. They're saying, you know, at some point we're going to hit peak, and you're going to have to adjust your your expectations and understand that you cannot expect another 5% because a week has gone by. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. And, and that's the thing, want, right? you know, that that's kind of that speculation or that wishful thinking. And now one of the other things that we're seeing a lot in the marketplace is the fact that people, the people that set the lower price to go multiple offers are now relisting at a higher price saying, well, I'm not going to take less than this. So we're yeah. starting to see a listing technique change, which it's actually going back to what, you know, what we were used to, uh, more of a custom market, kind of more of a stabilized market. Do you yeah. see, do you see that happening where we're going to kind of stay Stabilize, and yet, you know, I don't see a huge recession in the pricing. But what I do see is, you know, the longer term, you know, people are going to have to work a little bit harder to get it sold. Yes, I absolutely see that. I think that's absolutely accurate. I think a lot of homeowners have, you know, listed they didn't get what they wanted because they overpriced it. Uh, they pulled it off the market a week later, put it back on the market for a little bit less. But it's still, when I say a little bit less, we're talking about maybe a. Two percent price correction on a on a housing price. It's not going to damage the housing market in terms of price appreciation and depreciation. I think what the problem is, and this is what I was alluding to with the, the data problem, is you've got one house that's being listed three or four times in one month, and it's counted as four listings. Right. So you're seeing this massive spike in listings, active listings, and I think in Markham it's like a hundred percent spike in listings in one month. Yeah. A hundred percent spike. People are like, oh my God, there's so many listings. 
No, it's the same house counted four times. Yeah, and that's that's one of those things because, I, you know, when people are listing their homes, it's a way to trick the computer. So you, you wipe out your days on market. So you turn around, it's a mm-hmm. brand new listing, comes out fresh, comes out on the hot sheets. So then yep. it, it raises the, the awareness of all the agents and the buyers. Yep. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, there's a fresh listing. There's a fresh listing. Wait a minute. I saw that last week. Oh, wait a minute. I saw that two weeks ago. So as you said, uh, all of a sudden, same house, four times, four listings. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, when realtors do that, I've done that. When realtors do that, they're doing it because they want to present us in the best possible light. That's a, a marketing trick. It's, there's nothing shady about it. No. It is at a new price. So, But the problem we have is that when I say we, I mean the associations and the boards and the people that track this, we've never factored in, and it's all the way up until now, we've never factored in the fact that houses could be multiple listings at the same address, multiple listing counts. Yeah. It's just never been so frothy so fast, and that's what we have on the GTA. Again, perfect storm, yep. massive price appreciations, lots of activity, lots of demand, houses on the mar- off the market in rapid succession. Yeah. All of a sudden, you've got this listing problem. <laughs> yeah. No, I hear you. So listen, Ramon, always a pleasure having you on. You know, you and I are going to definitely be talking more throughout the summer because I think uh, this is going to be an interesting one. I think we've got, we'll, we will have lots of information this summer. God, I love it. Yeah. Thank Thanks so much, Ramon. Always a pleasure. All right. And folks, that was Romana King. Always great to have her on. Hey, listen, um, you know what? It's going to be a busy year and lots to talk about. So I want to thank you for tuning in this week to Simply Real Estate. I want to thank my producer, Ian Grant. Of course, my guests. Great to have them on. Michael Newman, Michael Applebaum, and of course, Romana King. Always a pleasure to have everybody with us. And I will be back next Saturday at 3 p.m. And uh, that's it. That's all. I'm Todd C. Slater, your host. Thanks so much. And we'll talk to you next week.